Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm excited to welcome you today. It's my sincere privilege um, to be able to greet you today and to be able to share what God has placed on my heart for you this morning. I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments. Thank you, worship team. Before I jump into the final message of this series uh, that we're, we've called Impact Now, um, I want to throw out a challenge. So in the back, you will find uh, cards like this that have our information. It says you're invited. Sunday gives our time and it gives uh, our social media platform uh, pages. What I want to do is I want to throw this out as we, as Easter is on the horizon. I want to challenge you to take just three cards at the very least. You can take more if you'd like, but I, I would invite you that you connect with at least three people face-to-face -face or through a phone call, uh, not just sharing something on Facebook. Uh, well, that is good, but I want to, let's go a little bit further this time around and just to make it a point, there's, there's people around us in our circle that need Jesus, amen? And we have the opportunity uh, to be able to share that. So I'm excited. Take a few cards. Let's, um, let's invite people and let's see what God will do in their life. Amen. Aren't you glad for what he's done in your life? Amen. So let's go ahead and pay that forward and let's, uh, let's be excited for what Jesus is going to do. So I want to title this message today. It's called Come and See. Come and See. Um, and it's developing a confidence. It's about developing a confidence to be able to put the attention on where the attention needs to be, and that is Jesus. Amen? How many, how many recognize this morning it's not about us? It's not about us. It is about Jesus. So I want to... Um, open my, uh, my heart to you and just share this with you. Uh, we're going to start in John chapter 1, and we're going to be reading a few passages of Scripture. But I want to show you a portion of Scripture this morning where it shows explicitly, um, where we see explicitly, should I say, where a difference is made by just a believer like you and I uh, when they're able to just say, tell somebody about Jesus. So we're going to see it in Scripture, and we're going to see how it applies to our lives. All right? So John chapter 1, verses 35, starting at 35, it is in the Version app if you follow along uh, using that app. It says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Notice that while John is doing some incredible things in the kingdom, uh, it, it doesn't compare to who Jesus is doesn't compare to who Jesus is. He says, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him saying this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon's Peter, brother, uh, was one of the two who heard that John had said uh, and who, follow, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought 
him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon's son of John. You will be called Cephas, which uh, when translated as Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then watch, watch what happens here. It says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asks, and what did Philip say? Philip says, come and see. Come and see. The question that, that is asked here reveals a lot about th this question that is asked in a mocking form. Uh, reveals a lot about what was the Jewish view or perspective of the town of Nazareth, which is in the region of Galilee. Nazareth was a city that was roughly 55 miles north of Jerusalem, and during the time uh, that that Jesus is operating in this in this moment, the Jews uh, that were were from uh, that that looked at Nazareth, should I say, uh, they saw this city and they saw they looked down on it. It was a lowly city compared to what Jerusalem was, and and they they held it in a low esteem. So that, that that's why Nathaniel asked that question: uh, Can anything good come from Nazareth? But here comes Jesus. Amen. But here comes Jesus. Why is this important for us? Can I just pause right here in the middle of the scripture and tell you, uh, because some of us in this place ask, can anything good come from my pain? Can anything good come from my hurt? Can anything good come from my rejection? Can anything good happen from what I am feeling right now deep down on the inside? And you ask yourself the question, can anything good come out of my trouble? Can anything good, but can I remind you that he makes all things work together for good. Amen. He makes all things work together for good for them that love him, that are called according to his purpose. So I want to remind you today that when you look at your trouble and when you look at your pain, when you look at those moments uh, uh, that you are down and that you are frustrated and that you're alone and you start asking, can anything good? I, I want to remind you that we serve a God that, that can take the, the bad parts, uh, the, the, the parts that we are not so prone and quick to share, but he can take all of that and he can make a masterpiece. Amen. He can make something good. So here the question is asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, here comes the Savior of the world. The one that would be hung on a tree and that would carry your sin and my sin. That he took our iniquity and he nailed it to that cross. So when you ask yourself, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Absolutely. When Jesus saw Nathaniel, let's jump back in, approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel, asked Jesus? Uh, Jesus answered, should I say, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you. I saw you under the fig tree. 
but you will see greater things than that. How many know we serve a greater a God that wants greater things for us? Amen. Believe that for your life this morning. He then, verily, he then added, verily, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. Amen. On the Son of Man. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. This is what the uh, Apostle Paul writes. But if our gospel be he hid, it is hidden to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe, not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine into them. So we see an example in the book of John of, of just the confidence that is built when we are able to share who Jesus is and just say, you know what, come and see. I don't need to do anything. It takes the pressure off of you and it takes the pressure off of me to know that we're not the ones that have to do anything, that it is through the power of God. It is through his blood, it is through what he does in our lives that makes all the difference. But then the Apostle Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians sheds some light onto where is the disconnect? Why, why is there this disconnect of, of why that we live in a world where over 5 billion people do not know Christ or do not claim to be Christians? Where is the disconnect? Well, he tells us that the world we live in is blinded. He tells us that the world we live in is blinded. But the awesome thing about this scripture is that they don't have to stay that way. They don't have to stay that way. But they're blind. Our friends, our co-workers, the people that we go to school with, some of our family members even, they're blind. They're blind. The scripture lets us know. We, we tell them, get to church. Get your act together. And it seems like they can't. It seems like they can't function. It seems like they can't ever get there. We tell them, get your marriage together. But they're blind and they say, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get my act together. I don't know how to get my life together. This is all I have ever known. They're blind. I don't know how to be a good husband. Or I don't know how to be a good father. I don't know how to do right. And we tell them, stop using, stop, stop depending on that. You don't need that. But they, they say, this is the only thing that I know on how to medicate my pain and, and how to, how to, get, to get through this moment. This is how I, I deal with it. And we, we tell them, get freedom. And then they say, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. Uh, I don't know where to get freedom. So the problem that we encounter is this, that people are blind. That people are blind. They don't know how to get healing. They don't know how to get to sobriety. They don't know. But the incredible news is that Jesus has done everything possible. Amen. That he has done everything possible for us to be free. He has done everything possible for us to be free. And when, we look at my, and when we look at our story here today, all of us were introduced to Jesus by someone. And I believe that 
people in this world are ready to meet him if there is somebody that can bridge the gap between where they're at and where Jesus is waiting for them. I believe that there are people in this place, what Paul said in, in the book of Galatians, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile a lost world, a dying world, to the Savior of the world, that he has entrusted us and that he has called us and that he has empowered us and enabled us to be able to tell somebody, hey, I know what you're going through because I've been there before, but let me tell you about a God who set me free when I didn't know anything but the addiction that held me, that held me hostage. Jesus walked into my life and what therapy couldn't do, Jesus did in an instance. Let me tell you about a God that can meet you on your level. And they may tell you, well, you don't know where, where I'm at. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know. You're right. But he knows. He knows. And he can meet you there. We are living in a world, in a world that is tailor-made for a church that, that needs to go out and tell them of Jesus. We need Jesus in this hour. In this moment, we need him to save and we need him to heal. We need him to deliver. We need him to restore. We need him in our lives. But a lot of people around us simply don't know how to make that next step. And I'm glad that's where you and I come in. For those people in our lives that don't know how to make the next step, that's where you and I come in. But we have to have confidence in the God that has a plan for them. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in the God that has a plan for them. So when people around us say, nope, not me, I'm not, I'm not reachable. When people say, no, not, not me, I, God, doesn't, God doesn't love me or God doesn't care. Or when they begin to say, you know what, I've gone too far. Nope, look what the book of Acts chapter 2 says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He quotes, uh, he quotes the, uh, the Old Testament prophet Joel, and he brings uh, uh, the, the writer of the book of Acts, brings this into perspective. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. It says all people, not just some people, not just the people that live in the Permian Basin. No, not just the people that live here. No, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. God has hope for everyone. God has hope. There is hope for everyone. He wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And this is what Acts 2.21 tells us. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone will be, everyone that calls on his name will be saved. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what you do for a profession. It doesn't matter how much you have been in the lifestyle that you are currently in. It doesn't matter. In None of that matters. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter what your bank account says. No, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We can call on him. And your friends can call on him. And your neighbors can call on him. And I believe people are looking for the good news of the gospel. I believe people are looking for the good news of the gospel. And I have to ask myself this question. Am I taking advantage 
of the opportunities that surround me? Am I taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves? Am I sharing Jesus with those that I come in contact with? Because let's be honest, Jesus is the answer. The problems can be different and they can vary, but the answer is the same and it is Jesus. So I want to give you some applications today that, that we can walk out of this place and put into action. To have a confidence in, in what we are sharing. To have a confidence in the God whom we have believed in. To, to, to have a confidence that just says, hey, come and see. You know what? It, your life it may be a wreck right now, but let me tell you about a God. Just come and see. Just give him a chance. Give him an opportunity and see what he can do in your life. Because you can share him. And others will be changed. You don't have to do the change or the transformation. He's the one that does it. All I have to do is be the agent that is willing to say, hey, you know what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Are you with me this morning? Because movements, every great movement that we have seen in life begins with one person that is able to influence another person. And then you have a family, then you have a community. Because I can put it this way, one person can change a family. The prayers of one person, I've seen the prayers of a mother change a family, change the husband, where, where God changes the husband and the children are changed as well. I've seen that take place. One person can change a family and one family can change another and another. And by the time you know it, by the time you know it, that one person that Jesus transformed, that Jesus enabled and empowered has now been able to have an impact like never before. That what started with one has multiplied into a, into a community, into a town, and into a city. So I want to tell you just these four applications, and I'll move out of your way, that we can do on a daily basis to be able to share Jesus. Right? The first one is this. We point people to Jesus. We point people to Jesus. We're just pointers. What is it about you? It's Jesus. What, what happened? I, 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 knew, I knew your marriage was on the rocks. And, and it seemed like there was no hope for you. What happened? Jesus. What happened to your prognosis? It, it looked like it was impossible, Jesus. What happened in your children that, that didn't want anything to do with God, Jesus? We're just simply pointing to the one who can do everything. We are simply redirecting to the person who can do anything but fail. When they come to you and they tell you, I need some help, Jesus. Can you pray for me? Absolutely. Let me tell you about Jesus. Because he can handle it. He can handle it. It doesn't matter what it is. He can handle it. I can't do anything but Jesus. So we're simply pointing to the one that can do it. I can't accomplish it but Jesus. I have to point to him. You can point to him on, on your, in your conversations. In your daily interactions, you can point to him and let him make the change in the person that you come in contact with. It's not about what I can do. It's about what he can do. It's not about what you can do. And 
And there's hesitation in our lives sometimes when we face difficulties, when we face hardships, that we would redirect our attention to Jesus. The God we serve knows no impossibilities. Amen. So whatever you're facing today, I point to Jesus. I point to Jesus because he still moves mountains. He still moves mountains. He's still able. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not what you and I can do. It's about him. And all I have to do is just point to him. That's all we have to do. So I point to Jesus. The second thing is we bring people to Jesus. We bring people to Jesus. We're bringers. We're bringers. We invite people. And we invite with confidence. And we let God do the work. You're not the one that has to do it. It's him. So we just need to bring them and have confidence that, that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That's, that's the confidence that we have, that the gospel still works. That, because that's where change happens when we bring them. So we see a story in the, the New Testament, Luke chapter 5. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus is teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws are just sitting down. They had come from every village. They had come from far to be able to hear Jesus speak. I mean, you're talking Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord, the Bible tells us, was on, was with Jesus to heal the sick. So there's incredible things taking place here today. But, but this is uh, an incredible story that takes place. Places that, that where Jesus is at, the place is full. So it's impossible to get in. It is a standing room only. But, but there's these men who have a paralyzed friend who, who is just laid up in the bed. But they're so determined. These, these men say, you know what, I can't, I love you too much that, that I know that Jesus is in that house. Amen. I know that Jesus is there. I love you too much that if I could just get you in his presence. Amen. How many know there's power in his presence? If I can just get you in his presence. I don't have to do anything. I just have to be able to take you there and your life can be changed and your situation will change. It doesn't matter how long you've lived in that state. I can tell you one moment in his presence can change you forever. Can I just stop and say that when I'm down, I need people that can carry me. I need to surround myself with people that can sustain me and that can hold me up. There's enough criticism. There's enough judgment going around. There's enough people that talk bad. I need to surround myself with people. This man that couldn't do anything for himself has some good friends that say, you know what? I love you. I see you in the condition that you're at, but I'm not going to leave you like that. I'm going to take you to Jesus. I need people, and I want to be that person for someone that can take somebody and say, you know what? You don't have to go through that alone. There is a God that says, when you go through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. I, I serve a God that is greater. Great. The Bible tells me that greater is he that is in me, that he that is in the world. I serve a God that makes, that, that causes us to triumph. 
So, so these men say, you know what? I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to give up. Your story will not end like this. You will not die in this condition and in this situation. Can I tell you, there has to be that same desperation and that determination inside of us that when we see our families and that when we see our friends and that they are in a paralyzed state, spiritually speaking or emotionally speaking, that we tell them, I love you too much for you to stay like that. Let me take you to Jesus. Let me take you to Jesus. So with the room full, what they do is they, they get creative. The, I love this story because the Bible says that, that they opened up a, a hole in the roof. They were that determined. They were not going to be discouraged. They were not going to be denied, and they were not going to be turned away. They, they cut open a hole in that roof, and they lowered the man on his bed to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus stops, and, and I love the way the story keeps on going because when he sees the man, he it is obvious that he needs a physical healing, but Jesus emphasizes the importance of what we need more than what we see with our physical eyes. When he sees him, he tells him, friend, your sins are forgiven. Can I tell you that that is the greatest miracle that you and I can experience, the salvation of our souls, that when we call on the name of the Lord and we are saved, that God can change our lives and that our destiny that is for eternity in our souls uh, will be with him forever if we call on him, if we believe in him, and if we live for him. Can I tell you that Jesus says, you know what, I know that you are in this condition, but your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle takes place right there when Jesus forgives this man's sins. But the story doesn't end like that. So, so there's some dispute between the religious people there in that room. But then the story ends and Jesus tells him, hey, get up. Take up your bed and get out of here. Get up and walk. So not only does he receive forgiveness for his, for his soul, but he also receives the healing that his body needed. Can I tell you that we serve a God that can do anything? And that all I have to do is bring my friends to Jesus, bring my family to Jesus, and let him do what he needs to do in their lives? He did it. And he is the same. The same Jesus that worked in Luke chapter 5 is the same Jesus that we call on today. The same one that we believe in. So I just have to bring them to Jesus. The third thing is we are witnesses for Jesus. We are a witness. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses. I've called you to be my witnesses. Isn't that awesome that he trusts us enough to be able to share him? That he has more confidence in us than sometimes we have in ourselves? That sometimes when we hesitate to be able to share, but to realize and put in perspective that he has called me and he has empowered me to be able to be his witness, that I just have to share what he's done for me. I just have to share what he's done for me. Can I tell you how he changed my life? Can I tell you how he restored? Can I tell you how he healed? Can I tell you how he made a difference when nothing else could do it? Can I just tell you that? 
when, they're, when a witness is called into the court of law, all that witness has to do is just give account of what he or she saw. Or the information, should I say, of what that person knows firsthand, that's all that witness has to share. That's all I have to share is what I know firsthand, that I was blind, but now I see. That I was blind, but he had mercy on me. And that he can do it again. So let that encourage and let that build up. Let that change lives. Just be a witness. And let Jesus do the transformation. And the last thing is this. Worship team, will you join me? So we point to Jesus. We bring to Jesus. We witness about Jesus. And then the last thing is we just live out a testimony. We live out a testimony of Jesus, so we are testimonies. You're a testimony. And no one can tell your story like you can tell it. When, when we're testimonies of Jesus, all we do is we just have evidence. I have some real concrete evidence that he changed my life. He walked in in a moment when people walked out, and he, his presence changed me. So we live out a testimony of Jesus. We share in our small groups, in conversations, in visiting with friends and family. That, to have that confidence that if he did it for me, he can do it again. Does it mean that when I share with you that my life is perfect? Absolutely not. Does it mean that I have it all together? No, there's some things we're still figuring out. It is called the process of sanctification. But it just means that I have enough confidence in the God that saved me that he can save you too. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that I... It's anything about me. It's about the God that's walked into my life in the darkest moment. And he said, hey, I'll be with you. Hey, I'll love you. I, I know you're unlovable. Hey, I know you feel like everybody around you has rejected I, you. I know you feel like every door around you has closed. But, but he walked into my life and said, I love you just like that. That for me to know that with my failures and with the errors in my life and with the mistakes that I have committed, Jesus said, my blood is still sufficient for you. That if I could have that confidence and knowing that, that his blood has covered me, that his blood can cover my friend and my neighbor and my family member, that his blood can still, that the blood will never lose its power. It will never lose its power. But the truth is that the enemy tries to steal our confidence. That God is changing lives. He tries to steal, because can you imagine what the story looks like if you don't share Jesus. What is, how does the story end if you don't share Jesus? If I don't share Jesus, he makes us doubt ourselves. He reminds us of our past. But can I tell you this? Every time the enemy wants to remind you of, of your past, remind him of his future. 
that my past is forgiven, that I cannot do anything about, but I'm grateful for the sacrifice and the finished work of Jesus that has, that has dealt with my past. But my future is secure in him. In him. Our past is covered. But when the enemy wants to make you doubt yourself in sharing, we just have to remember that it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So all I have to do is point. All I have to do is bring. All I have to do is witness. And all I have to do is just testify of him. Of the God that we serve. Matthew noted the words of Jesus when Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is his. Why is that important? Because he can handle it. He can handle whatever you're going through this morning. He can handle whatever your family is going through this morning. He can handle whatever it is the person that you're going to run into tomorrow is facing. He can handle it. Be confident in that. So we point with confidence. We bring with confidence. We witness with confidence. And we testify with confidence. And I love what J. John said this. He said, if we want to share the gospel with great confidence, what did he say? We have to have complete confidence in the gospel. The gospel is enough. The gospel is enough. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you today that you've called us, that you've chosen us, that you have set us aside to be your witnesses. Thank you for reminding me this morning that all I have to do is just point to you, bring people to you, be a witness of you, and testify of you. I don't have to do anything. It is all what you can do. Help me recognize the divine appointments that surround me on a daily basis and just to be able to share what you've done in my life. I thank you in advance that you are the one that does the work and I thank you in advance for the people that I am going to share you with that their lives are going to change. I, I, I give you glory right now for what you're going to do. I praise you right now for the incredible work that you're going to do in their lives. Help us, God, to set aside doubt, insecurity, and help us have confidence in you and in sharing you wherever we may go. I want you to keep your head bowed right where you're at because I know some of us in this place, some of you here, you're here today and you've thought that you just came because somebody invited you, but it is God drawing you in, letting you know that he is enough for you. You may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, and if you don't, this is the most important day of eternity for you. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he paid for your sins, and all of us come to him by grace. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be saved, but it's totally by grace. It's totally by the blood of Jesus. And if you will open your heart today, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice I, and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. That door is your heart this morning. He's not going to kick the door down, but he's waiting for you to open it. And if you'll open the door of your heart to him, 
he'll come in today and give you eternal life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus, you say, there's an emptiness in me that nothing can fill. There's an emptiness that the sin in my life hasn't been able to fill, that the addiction in my life hasn't been able to fill. There's an emptiness that nothing can fill, but I believe that Jesus is the answer today. If that's you and you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, whether it be individually, as a couple, as a family, I want you to lift your hand right now where you're at. Every eye closed, just say, I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Lift your hand high, and I want us to pray this prayer together. I see you right now. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you, and I invite you to come in to be my Lord and Savior. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the power to change and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise and welcome the newest members of the body of Christ. Let's stand to our feet.